This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. You're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brett McMillan. Welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's the official podcast of the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm your host, Brett McMillan. Today's guest is John O'Leary, a lifelong St. Louisan and Cardinals fan. Today, he's a motivational speaker, author, podcast host, and influencer who speaks to audiences about his recovery from severe burns as a little boy. At nine years old, John was burned on 100% of his body after playing with gasoline and matches. He overcame extremely slim odds to not only survive, but now thrive. And the Cardinals and Jack Buck played a significant role in that recovery. Today, John is living a life which once not only seemed improbable, but impossible. He recalled his journey in his 2016 book, On Fire, and last year he followed it up with a new book, In Awe, which we'll discuss in just a moment, along with some great stories of his Cardinal fandom and his interaction with Cardinals players and staff over the years. Plus, at the end of the program today, we're going to be able to give out some signed copies of John's new book. But right now, I want to remind you that you can take part in all the fun here at Bush Stadium, including Star Wars Night, as it returns to the ballpark on Wednesday, August 4th, as the Cardinals host the Braves. Fans who purchase a special theme ticket receive an exclusive Cardinals theme R2-D2 hoodie pullover, and a portion of those proceeds will be donated to Stand Up to Cancer. Get your Star Wars Nights tickets at cardinals.com slash theme. All right, here we go. I hope that you enjoy my talk with John O'Leary. That's right here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. The name of the book is In Awe, Rediscover Your Childlike Wonder to Unleash Inspiration, Meaning and Joy. The author is John O'Leary. He is a repeat guy here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. And John, I'm I'm really sorry because the last time that you were on this show, which I believe I was thinking back this morning, was in 2018. You were you were uh, fielding questions from Ozzy Smith, who has just a few more Gold Gloves than me. I'll get there someday, maybe, but a few more than I do. Okay. I think I've upgraded significantly since Mr. Smith. So, Brad, I am excited to be with you, and I'm grateful to be a repeat customer. Well, we're we're glad to have you. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. And if people have never read the first one, we kind of mentioned it at the top, but it's on fire, and it's just about your story. You have such a a fascinating platform and story with what you do. And we're going to talk some baseball stuff in a minute because for not being a baseball book, there's a lot of baseball in this book, John. But let's start off with uh, what you, what were you wanting people to get out of in awe? Yeah, joy ultimately. What, what I noticed, I'm a, I'm a dad of four, okay? So my little kids play and smile and dance their way through life, whether that's in the backyard, into the kitchen, they won't go to bed, they won't get out of bed, but their days are packed with joy. 
And then as a man who spends a lot of time on the road speaking to organizations and meeting with people directly, I witnessed a whole lot of adults coming into stadiums and coming into the offices and coming into conference centers a little bit more beat down by the circumstances of their life. And so I wondered, like, what is it that children have? And we all have seen this in them. What, what is it that they have that allows them to be so filled with zest and joy and passion for life that we eventually lose a little bit of sight of? And once we discover that, how do we return to that, that same wonder? Hmm. You know, it's interesting. There's so many points in the book, and I was I was looking through uh, an advanced copy that they had uh, had allowed us to look through, and it just seems like the book is about silver linings. I don't know if that's too reductive, but um, if anybody, John, had had maybe something to complain about or had felt like they'd had a bad break in life, I mean, it would be you. But here you are, and you've got this beautiful family, you've got this beautiful life, and so many wonderful things that, uh, I mean, I don't even know that it's a silver lining. I think it's far beyond that for you, but how do you do that every day? How do you find maybe the, the lemonade among the lemons? Well, I remember one of our heroes, you, me, Ozzy, and everyone else who was part of the Cardinal organization would say one of their heroes is Jack Buck. And certainly Jack Buck was one of mine. And near the end of his life, again and again in interviews, he would say when he got to heaven, he would ask, why were you so good to me? You know, what, what, what an awesome question. And so when you say, hey, John, it seems as if in your life you've had a lot of adversity. I've had some, no doubt. But I, on the day that I die, if I'm able to meet God face to face, we'll ask that same question that Jack wanted the answer to. Why were you so good to me? I, at age nine, was burned on 100% of my body and, and spent five and a half months in burn care, went through a whole lot of struggles even after getting out. But Brad, I've had people like Ozzy, like Jack, and like innumerable others step forward and make a mighty difference in my life. And so if you ask me today, what, what brings me so much joy? It's trying to do that same kind of work, that same kind of ministry, that same kind of gift into the lives of those who might be struggling in their own life. And one thing we know, whether you're cheering for a team that might not be performing at the level we wish they were right now, or you're struggling with COVID in your family, you're struggling financially, there's a lot of people right now dealing with some despair, which means there's an awesome opportunity for all of us to step forward and try to make a difference for them. Yeah, Jack Buck, by all accounts, just a prince of a man. And uh, unfortunately, there were two two Cardinals I never got to meet in real life before I started here. And I haven't been here all that long in the grand scope of things. But Stan Musial was one of them. He passed away uh, just a few years before I got here. And Jack Buck was another. But there's just so many stories in this building of people that, that have something to say about Jack, how he you know, would always have, maybe he'd give somebody $50 to go pick up a pizza downstairs and he wouldn't want the change back. You know, he'd, want, he'd want it to go to the delivery person and then you to keep the rest, or he'd go into a steakhouse and same thing, slipping everybody a 20, or just um, walking around with some good words for people in the office. I mean, just an incredible man. And I'm looking in the book, and, and basically, I don't know if he's responsible for you being able to go back to school, if that's too much of a stretch, but... He played a big, big role, and uh, what an incredible story that is. Yeah, you know, and part one of our colleagues, Ozzy, is one of the reasons why as well. So Colleen Shandings is the daughter of Red Shandings and made a connection to Jack that a little boy named John was involved in this fire and was being treated out of mercy and was in all likelihood going to die. So that's what Colleen tells Jack what do you do when you get a diagnosis like that? You know, if you're a guy as busy as Jack Buck was, what he does is the following day, he comes out to that hospital, he visits me. He's told by the staff that the little boy is going to die. 
And in spite of that, he comes back the following day and the following day and the following day. And then he, he starts bringing ball players like Andy Van Slyke and Ozzie Smith and others back in 1987, encouraging this little boy that seemingly had no chance to fight forward. And at each visit, the promise was, John, when you get out of here, we'll have John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. That's the promise, man. So you got to fight on for John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. On August 26, against the hated Pittsburgh Pirates, John O'Leary in his little wheelchair, sandwiched between Mike Shannon on the left and Jack Buck to the right, has John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. And I think our main man, Jack, saw that night that the little boy had a goofy grin on his face all night long. He knew everything about that 1987 team, but he could not use his hands at all. He couldn't hold a soda, could not eat a hot dog, pick up a nacho, nothing. My fingers have been amputated, so I can't do anything. So when you ask the, the, the question by saying it, it I don't think it's a, a stretch to say Jack helped you ride again. It's not a stretch because the following day, he sends me a baseball signed by Ozzy. Below that ball was a note that read, kid, if you want a second baseball, all you have to do is write a thank you letter to the man who sent the first. So I can't write, but I want a second baseball. What, what nine-year-old would not want a second baseball? So Brad, I put my left hand here and a therapist push, push, push my right hand in tight, put a little pen between my hands. We wrote a note to Ozzy, mailed it off. A couple days later, I got that second ball with a second note from Jack that read, kid, if you want a third. I'll truncate the story down so we don't put your entire audience to sleep. But by the end of 1987, as we roll through the playoffs and in against the Twins, Jack Buck sends a little boy named John O'Leary 6D baseballs. Not 1-6, 6-0, teaching that little guy, mostly I think that he actually mattered, that he belonged, that he could do things he did not know previously he could do, which ultimately allowed me not only to write, but to return to school. So yeah, Jack is formative in my life. You know, what's impressive to me about that is too, and I've, I've had the chance to go on hospital visits with players and um, you know that's a legacy with the Cardinals and just professional athletes now where they like to go out and, and be involved and try to bring joy and uh, you know sometimes it's hard to walk into those rooms because you see the pain you see the suffering and I can only imagine um, while it was more difficult for you and I don't want to minimize that the guts it had to have taken Jack to walk in and then also to continue to stay involved and he stayed involved in your life long after that. I mean, the baseballs quit coming eventually, but Jack didn't didn't quit being a, a part of your life, right? That is correct. So let's go back to how you set up the question with him coming into that room. I think anybody can do anything one time. That's hard. You, you, we can all go down a black double diamond once. It's getting back on the ski lift and going down a second time and a third time. We can all, you know, try skydiving once. Like we can all try anything once, but to return to that well, and then to do it a third time and a fourth time. I tell people frequently that one of the most difficult places in the world to visit is a burn center. And I don't think I'm being overly dramatic. It, it is so filled with pain and challenge and despair. And to witness all of that, in particular, when you walk into a child's life, a nine-year-old boy who is mummified and stretched out on that bed and dying. And then you come back into that little boy's life again and again and again. It is just, it reflects Jack's character. You know, so it's not like a social media post like, hey, I'm visiting everybody today. Look, look at me. This is a man who did it quietly again and again and again. And in doing so changed a lot of lives, not only mine, but a lot of lives. And he continued to do it. He viewed it not as a transaction, but as a true relationship. 
So it led to John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. It led to a lot of free tickets to Cardinal games. I was able to take a whole lot of buddies in high school and college, courtesy Mr. Jack Buck, down to Bush Stadium. He kept serving me and loving me. And then when I graduated university, Jack was out of town with a team. This is back in 99. But he sent a package and a note. And inside the, the, the package was a, a ball. It was a crystal ball, Brett. And the ball, the ball was the crystal baseball that he received when he went into the Hall of Fame. As I read the note, it said, hey, kid, this is the baseball that I received when I went into the Hall of Fame. It's yours. It's made of crystal. It's priceless. There's only one like it in the entire world. Don't drop it. Don't <laughs> drop it. So typical Jack Buck, not only generosity, but humor. This was a really good man. You know, one of the things that I enjoyed about the book, too, is that you're very authentic in it. I think that books like this that bring a lot of inspiration, sometimes they can have a tendency to to just paint the rosy picture. And you talk about pulling up to Jack's funeral and just the realness of that moment with all the famous people in the parking lot and kind of the intimidation factor of realizing this man's a legend. And while he had a relationship with you, all these people don't know who you are. And, uh, and that was a real kind of vulnerable moment for you. And that stood out to me about the book is that, hey, you know, you're finding a lot of positive in life, but you weren't afraid to kind of teach a lesson here to the audience through maybe some of the hard things you sat through, too. Yeah. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Henry Nauman, kind of a spiritual uh, teacher and a phenomenal leadership teacher. Henry Nauman writes so vulnerably about his life that you feel sorry for him as, as you're reading this book as you're flipping pages, okay? So I, I've always loved the way Henry writes and I've always desired, hey, listen, if I ever start writing my own stuff, I wanna be that authentic, I wanna be that real. I don't wanna be the hero. I wanna be a part of the story, but I wanna make sure I, I hold up a mirror, reflect it back to the people who are truly worthy and remind the reader that it's ultimately their calling to be a hero for others through their life. And so I, I appreciate the fact that you pull out the vulnerability in the story and the brokenness of the story and gener generally it's coming from me because uh, I'm far from being perfect. I'm an imperfect uh, leader. So that you mentioned the, the, the story of Jack Buck's funeral. I got a call the day he passed away from his family saying, hey, you know, we welcome you to join us at this funeral. And there's a long story there that I'm willing to share as much or as little of as you'd like. But ultimately, I found myself in the parking lot of this big, beautiful church in St. Louis County. I'm buttoning up my shirt a little bit more, tying up that tie a little bit more. And I look in the mirror and I see Dan Deardorff getting out of this big car walking in. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I look to the right and I, I think it was Lou Brock. I forget, but another one of these Hall of Fame elite athletes and Cardinals, man. And I see the ownership group and I see all these guys who are my childhood icons walking by. And then there's me, this kid with no fingers, this kid who at that time was 22 years old. I'd never done anything with my life. I was not a really good friend to Jack. He was a remarkable friend to me. And I was a lousy friend back to him. And I realized that day, and I'm wrong now looking back on it, but I realized that day, I don't belong here. You know, I don't belong in that church. I don't belong with his family. And I certainly don't belong among these guys. So I waited for everybody to walk in. I waited for the final guy to pull the door shut. And this, you know, it stinks to even share this, man, but it's part of it. I uh, waited for a few more minutes, turned the car back on, reversed out of the parking lot, drove away, made it about two miles down the street and just broke down because um, I recognized all the missed opportunities that I had in my life to be more. 
not only more generally, but more specifically for Jack. You know, he was he was in the hospital for five months, re going through Parkinson's disease, which is something my dad suffers with, and going through a whole lot of other health issues. And this entire time in hospital, I never went down to visit him, not because I didn't love him or wasn't praying for him, but I just didn't feel like he would want to see me. You know, there's so many other good guys that are out there that wanted to see Jack and were visiting with Jack. And I never felt like he would want to see me walking in that doorway. So I never made those visits. And it broke my heart to not only be part of that lousy friendship in his life, but also then to pull away from that parking lot after his death. So we, we can like, oh, that's kind of depressing. So what do you do with that? And for me, the turning point really in my entire life was that. It was on the side of a road, weeping, recognizing as I'm wiping my nose with my right sleeve and then my left sleeve that I'm going to do better. I'm going to start for the first time making Jack Buck proud. And so it's one of the reasons I became far more engaged with my family. It's one of the reasons I started getting training actually to become a hospital chaplain. You know, I felt, I felt no call toward that before Jack's death. But then I realized the same way he showed up for me and so many others in hospital, well, what if I could do that for others? What if I could make a difference? That's why I became active in an organization here in St. Louis that the Cardinals have a phenomenal tie-in with called the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Eastern Missouri. I became a big, got invited onto their board, became a big a second time, became a family big. So we try to make a difference in this community one life at a time, the exact same way Jack did. One more piece that I'll share is when my wife Beth and I were blessed to have our very first boy, we wanted him to become a man of character. We wanted him to become generous. We wanted him to become faithful. We wanted him to become the kind of guy that people who knew him or knew of him would look up to. So of course, you know, we named him Jack. I wanted my son to always identify with a guy who was his father's hero and was worthy of being a hero for him as well. So Jack profoundly influenced my life in his life. And yet, <laughs> He may have saved his very best work for his death. I would, you know, I mean, like I said, I appreciate the vulnerability in that story. And I think that people who read the book will as well, because we're all imperfect. We all swing and miss sometimes, or worse, we all watch a strike sail by, to, to borrow a baseball analogy. But that doesn't mean that you just stop. And I think that was the point of, of your story and um, certainly would have been neat to have been in the room and been a part of that. But I also think, too, you sell yourself a little short in that you know, quality people are, tend to be drawn to other quality people. And so the fact that, you know, Lou Brock, who by no means did I know the Brock family well, but a little bit of interaction with them through, through my job and the DeWitts, who, again, some interaction because I work for them and they're just phenomenal people and don't know Dan Deerdorf, but have heard nothing but wonderful things. I mean, the fact that you were among them and, and at Jack's funeral, I mean, I think says a lot about you and look at the way that you've rebounded again. So again, I just appreciated the, the story and the encouragement that, hey, the, the one moment doesn't define you. Life's kind of a film strip. You know, it's not a, a single snapshot. And, uh, and I appreciated that about the book as, as I was going through and, and reading it. Something else I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah, just so well, well said. And thank you. I'm humbled to even hear that, uh, hear those remarks. I just want to comment on some of the folks that are still part of our organization, whether you're talking about the Brock family. Uh, Mo is not only, in my mind, a phenomenal leader, he's also incredibly generous. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the DeWitt family. 
the DeWitt, DeWitt family both loudly and very quietly are wildly philanthropic here in the St. Louis community. Many of the organizations that are making a mighty difference for kids are doing exactly that, including Big Brothers Big Sisters, because of the generosity of the DeWitt family and the St. Louis Cardinals. And then I got to give a shout out to my, my, my friend, Mike Gersh, our current GM. Mike's a friend, he's a neighbor, he's a guy I love, and he is not only an awesome leader within the baseball world, but an even better human being. So we've got some quality baseball folks in the room, but really the reason I love our St. Louis Cardinals is we've got even better people in the room. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think you bring up a, an interesting point as you're saying all that, it kind of triggers in my mind that I think you, you really dig down to the humanity of, of Jack and other people in the book and that sometimes when you flip on the news and maybe you see Mo giving a soundbite or you see Gersh or you see the players post game. You know, you forget that they are, in fact, humans interacting with other humans first. And it is uh, first and foremost important that they be quality people. And we are blessed with that, you know, over and over here again in St. Louis. So I think that that that's a wonderful point. And uh, it is it is interesting. And you've probably honestly seen it longer than me just because you've gotten kind of that backstage look with the Cardinals. But so much happens with some of those names and others that people never know about. And that's by design. But they're very active and engaged here and care very much about uh, the St. Louis community. Um, you do, too. 32 mentions of the Cardinals in this book. <laughs> I, I, I was able to count it up. That was up. just me dropping. That was just me bragging. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and I find that interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, this book wasn't just written for St. Louisans. But you're a St. Louisan. This is your story. And the Cardinals have been a big part of it. So, um you know, I, I guess that's the reason why, but drill down on that for me. How come so much baseball in this book? Yeah, well, I think it's several fold. One is I'm a St. Louis guy. And so though the book is intended for a larger audience, it's you know certainly selling around the country, but also around the world. It's been translated into a couple dozen languages. So now we have folks in Brazil and Portugal and China and, and everywhere around the world reading about how great, not John O'Leary is, but life is, and then whispering also, Great, the St. Louis Cardinals are. It's a winning organization, but I think it's, I think to only chalk that up for the WL column might miss what's really taking place within a community. So I, I, I love what we represent here. I love the word we might be a bit of a stretch, but I feel like I'm part of the family, man. And I think the reason why you purchase a ticket, walk through that turnstile and stand for the national anthem, sit down and then root for your Cardinals is because you do too. You're an investor. You, you believe that you are also part of this organization and that's awesome. So we happen to be part of a really cool, really successful family in the St. Louis Cardinals. So that's part of the reason why it shows up so frequently in the book. Also, of course, Jack Buck and the impact that not only he had on my life and continues to have on our life going forward, but then he introduced me to these guys like Ozzy, like you, like his son, Joe Buck, and like so many others. So that's another reason why it shows up. My own son, Jack, now continues that, that, that namesake going forward. And then maybe in the book that you're reading most recently, In Awe, the reason the Cardinals show up so frequently is my own son. All my kids love baseball, but I have a boy named Patrick who, <laughs> man, I think he goes to sleep in his St. Louis Cardinals uniform. So he's a dear friend with one of my Gersh's son, a little boy named Tommy. And I think Patrick has probably done more trades than, than Gersh has known what to do with because Patrick is always whispering exactly how Gersh should do his job. So probably Mike has barred the door shut from Patrick who knows way too much he thinks about baseball, but he loves baseball. 
So we have had the pleasure of traveling. You know, every summer I give my kids an opportunity to travel with their dad. They choose where they go. And Patrick always makes that trip based around where his dad is speaking near a stadium where the Cardinals are playing. So for four different years now consecutively, except for last year, we took one year off. Can't remember why, but we took 2020 <laughs> off. So for four out of the five years, he has picked a city, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and most recently Detroit, where his Cardinals were playing so that he could root for baseball and uh, spend a little bit of time with his dad. And catch a few foul balls, too, according to the book, which is a, a wonderful story. We'll save some things for the book. Folks should definitely check it out. But uh, let's just say that Patrick's got a good set of hands or maybe a good smile, maybe both. And uh, it's benefited him well in snagging some foul balls. You had a stat in there. One in a thousand is your chance of getting a major league. Where did you get that stat? I'm just curious because that seems almost low to me when you think about right. 45,000. But where did you so, get that from? We'd have to, I had like several math folks help me with this book. If you read the book, there's a ton of research that went into it. One in 400 trillion is a big number. That's the likelihood of you being born. So if you only take the math around what your mother brings to the table and your father brings to the table, we'll, we'll leave more of that episode <laughs> for the after hours, okay? But for this version of this podcast, if you just do the math on that, there's less than one in 400 trillion chance of you being born. It's like, in other words, quit yawning at life mm. like we it really is simply miraculous that we are here the stat that you're quoting back to me one in a thousand i think what they did is they took the average amount of attendees at a game they took the total amount of balls that are going to get over the fence either in the outfield or over the fence the chicken fence or whatever they call that the netting around the infield that stretches now down toward the foul line and they said well gosh if you have a ticket and you go to the game what's the chance and it came out to be about one in a, a thousand and like you i thought it seemed low I've been to far more than a thousand games. I've never gone home with a baseball that I did not buy. And just to tether this back to Patrick and his smile and his joy and his passion for life, that little dude, when I wrote the book, caught two in a row. He caught a ball in Kansas City, and then he caught a ball through the help of a fan that threw it at him in Pittsburgh. It's a very funny story there. I'll let you read it about it, read about it in the book. The following year after this book comes out, we're in Cincinnati. He's got his glove on. He's watching every pitch. He's expecting to get a ball. A ball comes racing down the left field line. I do the right adult thing, which means I duck. I cover my beer and my nachos. Patrick stands, lifts his left hand high, and I hear the glove you know, pop. And he comes down. He looks at me and says, see, Dad, I told you I would need it. Three for three. And then this year, 2021, we went home with the big fat L, Cardinals. But Patrick went home with a baseball. In about the seventh inning, there's a ball down the right field line. And some of you are like, this is such a bull story. He's making everything up that he's talking about. This time, there's a guy filming about five, five rows behind us, the at-bat. Uh, he saw the entire thing. He sees my little boy stand up high, and he sees the ball go into his glove. And then he sees this little boy named Patrick O'Leary look over to me, glove in his hand, smile on his face, saying, see, Dad, see? So that, that chapter celebrates something we call expectancy. Kids truly do expect greatness from the day, from themselves, from a baseball game, from a movie, from an order of nachos. Like they just expect awesome things. And the invitation of the book is not only to bring your glove back to Bush Stadium, it's to show up in a manner that uh, 
that you're bringing your glove everywhere you go. You're just expecting awesome things again in life, including you're expecting the Cardinals to finish draw and close down this gap and finish first. I like the sound of that. I'll sign up for that for sure. That's uh, the best kind of expectancy right there. Uh, there's one other thing I, I want to want to talk to you about that jumped out for me from the book, and it was an experience. And you got to address a team meeting within the last couple of years. I know Gersh was the GM at that point. I've had the chance to be like, and I don't want to oversell this, I'm not that cool, but I've gotten the chance to be like in the back during a spring training team meeting where it's like, hey, it's the video people, and we kind of like wave a little bit. And it's it's a serious sense in the room. And I think the reason is that when you assemble a group like that, and I don't want to glorify any one group of people more than others. That's not my intent. But you know that what a baseball team does is going to live on, at least in this realm, forever. You know, the 2011 Cardinals, we remember that because of what they did. But even if they would have stuck 10.5 out, you could get on baseball reference and you still see it lives. And there's kind of that sense in the room when the team gets together that what this group does is going to be chronicled forever. So when you step into that kind of setting, it's a little intimidating, not to mention some of the names that are sitting around and uh, the guys that are taping up bats or are working on the pocket on their gloves. So I just want to know what was that experience like for you? Because you weren't just at the back of the room standing and waving when, when cued like me, you were actually addressing the squad. Yeah, dude. I, so great question. Have never been asked it before. Wildly intimidating. And what I will also say to you is when I'm invited to speak to three third grade Girl Scouts in St. Louis County, guess what? It's wildly intimidating. I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm wondering, dang, are these girls gonna like me at all? Are they gonna like this message? Are they gonna connect? Are they gonna understand what I'm talking about and how to live it in their days after they leave this room? So the fear that I feel, whether it's in front of a couple Girl Scouts or a whole bunch of executives or 25,000 salespeople or 25 Cardinals, and then eventually after they left the room, they brought in the entire minor league system, is, is anxiousness, it's fear, it's uh, self-doubt, if I'm being really honest. But the conviction that I have is there's something within this message that can be put into play that will change not only the way they show up on the field, which really does matter to me, but candidly, what matters far more to me is how they show up off the field, how they show up in the clubhouse, how they treat their brothers in that room, how they handle their girlfriends and wives when they return home, how they raise their kids, how they speak to their parents, how they talk to a barista or a bartender or a flight attendant or any other stranger in life. I want these people to show up where they are completely different than the average experience with a professional major leaguer. So I wanted to really convey to them the ability they had to elevate their game on and off the field. And so that was the goal. Was I successful or not? Well, afterwards, and this was the most wild part about it because I really, it was an hour conversation with those guys and Mo was in the room and Gersh was in the room and you know, all the guys are in the room, Schulte's in the room, everybody's there. I'm nervous, man, deliver the hour keynote. There's a standing ovation at the end of it, which is humbling. And then all of a sudden Gersh comes up and says, hey guys, we've got a couple books. If you want one, you want it signed, O'Leary's up here. Great, so I'm assuming, you know, maybe I'll sign one for my neighbor and friend, Mike Gersh. But then all of a sudden these guys start lining up these are my heroes, man. I still love these guys. These are the guys who my boys go to the baseball game wearing their name on the back of the jersey. That's who's now sign lining up to say hello to me and have me sign their name and then eventually my name on their book, which was so humbling. Near the end, the last two guys in line, second to last was a guy named Carpenter. And I remember he walks up and he goes, hi, my name's Matt. 
And I'm like, dude, I know who you are. You know, you're, you're on this tear right now, crushing all these homers. We, we know who you are. And then the very last guy, and I think it tells you a lot about the character of this final man, is Adam Wainwright. He was old back then. He was like 36. He's far older right now. But this is a man who serves and uh, is an awesome example to everybody else in the locker room on what service looks like, what winning looks like, what preparing looks like, what aging gracefully looks like what winning looks like. So he was the last guy that I was able to hug and, and sign a book for. And dude, it's, I mean, come on, that's a childhood dream. Your dream is that your team might win. But if you really want to have a radical dream, it's that one by one, you'll have an opportunity to meet them, shake their hand and give them a hug and thank them for what they do. Mm-hmm. The name of the book is In Awe. He's John O'Leary. And uh, you are a lot of other places too. People should definitely check out this book as well as On Fire, the, the, uh, preceding book as well but where else can people check you out if they want to kind of consume some of what you're talking about yeah so we've got a cool website called john o'leary inspires.com so that's one place that has everything you might be looking for including the two books there is a podcast called the live inspired podcast with john o'leary i interview i've interviewed ozzy on the show Kyle Ripken jr some other great athletes on the show one of my favorite leaders on the show you ready for cardinal fans Mike Matheny. I think Mike Matheny is a phenomenal leader and human being. And I had an opportunity to interview my friend, Mike. It was as cool an interview as I've ever heard him give. And so if you want to hear a little bit more about Mike's story and his character and what he's doing in his life, both on and off the field, check out that one. But I also interview people that you should read, like Brene Brown, like Commander Jim Lavelle of uh, the Apollo 13 fame. He's the one who's quoted as saying, Houston, we have a problem. So we, we interview heroes, man, but you realize how ordinary they are, how they overcame the challenges of their life and what it means for you. So check out the Live Inspired podcast and learn more about all of that at johnolearyinspires.com. John, truly a pleasure. Great to have you back for a second time, maybe a third at some point. We'll see you. We'll see if we can get it going. between now and then. <laughs> hey, I, I wouldn't put it past you. You've got a great track record going. It's been really great to catch up. By the way, too, I think you have the second best Jack Buck impression I've ever heard, just a tick behind Randy Carricker from oh, WXOS Radio. If Randy's listening right now, he's he, he t- turned me on mute when I started doing this. I've been on his show a couple times. And he looks at me like I'm a fool when I start doing the old Jack Buck. So I, I don't even try in front of old Randy anymore because he blows me out of the water. What I need to do is have a nice, thick cigarette, inhale that baby, and then let you have the full Jack Buck. We'll be able to rock <laughs> and roll with Randy anytime. So give me a little bit more prep next time. <laughs> we will do. Randy's uncanny. I wouldn't feel bad about not matching him. His is uh, <laughs> it, it is like listening to Jack. It is pretty incredible if you've never heard it. John, thanks so much and we appreciate it and best of luck with uh, your next endeavor. Thank you, Brad. Great being with you. John is just an incredible guy with a great heart. I've gotten the chance to interact with him uh, both here for the podcast and then we've had him on the television show before to chat with Ozzie Smith. And uh, He's a genuine, genuine man and really, really loves the Cardinals. So special thanks to him for his time in jumping on the program today. Another special guy, Whitey Herzog. And as the Cardinals host the Royals the weekend of August 6th, 7th, and 8th, there are great giveaways all series long. On Saturday, 30,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home a Whitey Herzog fishing bobblehead courtesy of Busey Bank. Get your tickets at cardinals.com 
slash promotions. All right, I mentioned at the top, John was kind enough to gift us a limited number of signed copies of his new book, In Awe. If you'd like to be one of the people that gets a copy, you can just go ahead and send me an email with the subject line, In Awe. Send it to podcast at cardinals.com. Again, an email with the subject line, In Awe. Send it to podcast with an S at cardinals.com, and we will get in touch about how to get you your signed copy of In Awe by John O'Leary. We appreciate you listening. Also, would really appreciate a positive rating or review on this program. If you like it, if you enjoy what we do, help us spread it to more people. Make sure that it sticks around and is a part of your podcast diet going forward. Ratings and reviews go a long way to help with that, more than I think you can know or understand. So please do jump in there and give us a positive rating or review. That's all for today. For John O'Leary, I'm Brett McMillan. Thanks to you for listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.